Victoria College is a public, open admission college. Our mission is to provide educational opportunities and services for our students and the communities we serve. For more information, please visit us at www.victoriacollege.com to schedule your tour. And welcome in to episode 44 of The Grid, the show that can't stay on vacation for very long. I'm Gabe Myers. Alongside me is Mike Foreman and Jeremiah Sosa. And we are in, guys, I call this the dog days of, of doing this job. There's, a, you know, seven on seven footballs over, baseball, softballs all wrapped up. Um, not a ton for us going on right now, but we're going to put together a podcast episode anyway. Uh, we're going to talk some all area softball. Our teams came out. We're going to talk about, you know, kind of what went into our uh, decision making process with that. Also just, you know, there were some tough calls there. A lot of, a lot of good, a lot of good players, a couple different positions there. Talk some Victoria generals today. They're on a franchise record winning streak at the moment. They're playing some great baseball. And we're going to reminisce a little bit. Some of our favorite moments from this past year. Um, and we'll go ahead and get started right here with uh, something we get a lot of feedback on recently, the the softball all-area teams. And, uh, you know, as, as we start the discussion, we'll, Mike, I'll kind of turn it over to you and let you, you know, you've been here a long time. You, you know, you've done a lot of this. Let Kind of let you tell the audience, you know, what we value, what we, you know, you know, kind of the, I guess, criteria, if you will, of how we make our decisions for these all-area teams. Well, the first thing uh, we value very much is uh, coach participation, uh, which uh, was fair, uh, not as good as we'd like it. Uh, we rely heavily on coaches because obviously they're looking at a player every day, yeah. uh, whereas we may see them, you know, maybe four, five, six times a season. So that's important. Um, the other thing I look at is uh, – team success, the, how important was the player to that team's success. Um, also, uh, the competition the team faces, how good was the competition. And uh, there's no doubt, I mean, uh, there were some positions that were very tough, uh, especially catcher this year for some reason. I mean, uh, we had a lot of really good catchers. And uh, you may have noticed that some catchers were at like designated player, right. or, you know, but there were just that many good catchers. Yeah, I think if it was up to Mike, we would have had like six or seven <laughs> catchers on the first team. I had to be like, whoa, come on. Let, Jeremiah and I were trying to dial Mike back a little bit there. Like, come on with the, you know, with the catchers. I like that you said, uh, you know, kind of what do they contribute to winning? Like, you know, especially especially on good teams. and Because you go down a list of our teams. We were lucky. We had – a lot of awesome softball in the area this year. Obviously, Weimer winning a state championship. Uh, Shiner was obviously really good. Ganado, that you know, that whole district was really good. Hallettsville was really good. We, you know, Quero was very good as well. So we we were lucky to have a lot of really good, a lot of really good softball. Um, but contributions to winning, you go down a list. It's a lot of, you know, it's a lot of Weimer and a lot of Shiner and a lot of Hallettsville. Uh, one girl I wanted to ask you about in particular, because you were pounding the table for her when we did this, was a Paige Pavlou who got the walk-off hit. And you talk about, you know, contribution to winning. Well, she had the penultimate, con- uh, you know, the penultimate contribution in the biggest game of the year. Yeah, I think you have to look at that. How do they perform in the big moments? Uh, obviously, our, you know, 
um, our, our MVP, you know, was Reagan Wick. But uh, Paige, the, the hit she had, uh, you have to take that in consideration. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, we had a lot of good players yeah. at, at her position. So, therefore, you also have to look at their body of work. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, you know, they had some big, if you look at it, really big hits. Of course, Paige, Pablo, and look at Hannah Fisbeck with a, you know, that Jeremiah saw with a walk-off home run in that series against Shiner. So, I mean, uh, to me, those things are important. I mean, uh, how a player performs in the big moments is, is really a, uh, important. I mean, look, this might be kind of a funny example, but uh, I don't think uh, anybody would ever say that Robert Ory is a, maybe a Hall of Famer, <laughs> but the guy, he was called Big Shot Bob for a reason. I mean, when yeah. the game was on the line, he stepped up and hit those shots. I mean, that's a whole other debate. I, I think of now like Madison Bumgarner in yeah. baseball, like, yeah. you know, the, pro, the best big game pitcher probably in my lifetime, but yeah. kind of an average regular season guy. Uh, Jeremiah, one of the one of the girls that you were really, you know, really in on, and I, I use pounding the table as a term for Mike. I don't know if you were quite that strong. Uh, but, you know, Camden Lange from Quero, and that's someone you had a chance to go out and see. And the numbers for her, eye-popping, you know, 460 batting average, 16 homers, 54 RBIs. I mean, talk about what you saw from her this year. She was, you know, our offensive player of the year. Um, talk about what you saw from her because you were someone like, hey, we got to get her, you know, we got to get her on there. Yeah, well, in the the playoff game that I covered, uh, I believe it was at TOU. I can't remember who they played against. But in that game, she had, I think, two home runs. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, they, they obviously came away with that win and moved on to the next round. And in that game was when she broke the, I believe, the all-time record at Quero for, for home runs yeah. in a career. And she's, she's just a junior. So, um, you know, with that uh, accomplishment and, you know, everything that she had done in the, in, in the year – I think that really kind of solidified her as the, uh, the offensive player of the year, um, and you know also them advancing to the next round of the playoffs and you know continuing her success. Yeah. We let me say this about her: um, I covered uh, a, a playoff game in uh, Quero, Refurio, and Schulenburg, mm -hmm. and after the game, I was there writing my story, and Langey comes yeah. out there on the field after the game mm -hmm. and is hitting balls. You know, I don't know if it was her dad or whoever was pitching to her, but she was out there that night hitting base, hitting softballs, and that really impressed me. She obviously works hard at her craft. Yeah, I mean, to put up those kind of numbers that she did, it's not just, you know, you don't just roll out of bed and do that. You got to put the work in. Uh, we talked about catchers being a big position, and we had, you know, we had some great catchers. I think pitchers was the one where we were really in there and it's like, okay, who's, you know, we talked, I joked, you know, we're going to put seven p catchers on the first team. Well, I mean, they, we ended up putting like what, four, four pitchers on the first team. I think it was. Um, and even like going through any, that's not even including the pitcher of the year. We had Kaylee Olivares. And I mean, we, uh, like I said, we were lucky to watch a lot of great softball this year and, the pitching, I mean, it starts with the pitching. Mm -hmm. uh, we we had some awesome pitchers. Even look at the second team pitchers: Alexia Sanchez, Brianna Vavra, Julia. Uh, I'm struggling with the name here. Mahachek. Yeah, Mahachek. Mahachek. There we go. But even like you know, those pitchers would you know, a lot of other years. And Reagan Wick was MVP. Yeah. Uh, those pitchers, <laughs> yeah. a lot of other years. 
probably first team players. Kaylee Olivares, other years with her offensive and pitching numbers, potential MVP, but the pitching was so strong this year across the board. Yeah, and uh, you, you look at uh, Alexis Sanchez from Refurio. Yeah. She, she could have very easily been newcomer of the year, but then you turn around and you have a girl like Addie Siegel at Shiner. I yeah. mean, that was our newcomer. And so, I mean, it just shows you it from top to bottom, we had a lot of really good softball players this year. Yeah. Yeah, the one I'll, I'll kind of spotlight a couple when we're talking about the pitchers here. So there's Abby Contu from St. Joseph, and we talk about we talk about different things. You mentioned level of competition earlier, so it's a little harder to gauge at the private schools versus the public schools. You get to see everyone play each other, but we we felt good collectively about hey, St. Joseph played some really good teams. This is a good softball team with good players, and I. I thought Abby Contu, that was the one I kind of, I'll use the term pounding the table myself. Mm-hmm. That was kind of the one I pounded the table for. Like she was the heartbeat of that team. And you talk, you talk to Coach Choppa, you talk to other players, and they all say, like, man, Abby was, you know, she was it. She was that girl. And she was such a big part of St. Joseph's success. And another one that was highly discussed, and she was a first team pitcher as well, was Lauren Springfield mm-hmm. from Shiner. And she was one who was, she was hurt the first half of the season, didn't pitch a whole lot. But, man, when she was in there, she pitched really, really well. Well, I'll tell you, uh, you know, it's early. But uh, looking ahead to next year, Shiner's going to be a force because mm-hmm. uh, they have a lot of people back yeah. from that team that was very good. And, uh, of course, you never count Weimer or Ganado out. But Weimer's going to take some hits. You know, obviously mm-hmm. losing Reagan Wick like that is going to be a big loss. And, uh, get, you know, we'll just have to see who the players stepping mm-hmm. into those roles, how good they are. But we can tell right now that Shiner's going to be really good. Yeah, Shiner's going to be really good. Get the battery mate back next year. Springfield mm-hmm. and Peyton Vincic behind the plate yeah. are coming back. And then, and then Hallettsville is the other one I'd spotlight as yeah. far as looking at next year. They get, I mean, they won a state championship in 2022. They brought a lot of players back this year. Well, they weren't seniors. They're bringing a lot of players back next year and are, you know, our all-area team and the all-state teams are kind of littered with Hallettsville players, so that's another team to watch as we go forward here. But that's going to close out kind of our discussion. Uh, we just want to give you all a peek behind the curtain of kind of how we, you know, kind of how we do things yeah. with all-area softball and all-area baseball is coming it's up. Coming up. It's, yeah. co- it's coming up this week, so you'll get a chance to see that. And I think we'll have a similar discussion a week from now about, you know, kind of what in, went into the all-area baseball selections. Uh, we're going to have a message from White Trash Services right now, and then we'll be right back with some uh, Victoria Generals and their winning streak. Stay tuned. I'm joined by BJ Nelson. BJ, White Trash Services, what is it and and what do y'all do? Well, thank you for asking. We gather trash in the counties around the Crossroads area. We've been in business for eight years, and we have dumpster, trash can, and roll-off companies. And you know y'all are y'all are big advocates for for sports throughout the Crossroads region. Just what makes y'all want to sponsor uh, all all high school sports throughout the Victoria area? High school sports are amazing. One, they keep kids out of trouble. It teaches them about character, teaches them about right and wrong, uh, how to do better in life. You learn a lot of life skills in sports and especially football. And how can someone get a hold of White Trash Services to start their service, rent a roll-off, or apply to be a part of your team? You can give us a call at 
I have a team of ladies that answer the phone and gentlemen. So give us a call anytime, 8 to 5 during the day, and uh, we'd be happy to visit with you about any of those things. And we are back with episode 44 of The Grid. I'm calling it the Jordan Alvarez episode. I don't know how much Mike appreciates that. Um, But we're going to talk about some Victoria Generals right now. And they are, I mean, they're just playing some awesome baseball. 12 wins in a row, uh, a a franchise record, organization record for them. And, I mean, hottest team in the TCL easily. A lot of these ones have been by blowout. Lately, been a little bit closer um, and I've I've gotten the chance, you know, I've been able to go out to Riverside quite a bit and watch them this summer. They uh, and I, we talked about it a couple weeks ago when we were talking about the Generals, where the energy Jeremiah and I were talking about, you know, seemed to have just start picking up throughout the season. The energy was getting better and better and better, and it's at an all time high right now. They've got their core group of guys, and they're just rolling. Coach, I mean, Coach Oros has this team, you know. He talks about buying in traditions, buying into being with the generals and it just not being a, you know, being a we, not being a me. And they seem to have a clubhouse of guys right now that are uh, that are fully bought into that. And I know they're after the, that TCL championship. And I mean, 12 in a row, they they're the, they look like the best. They have been the best team in the TCL this season. Yeah, of course. Uh, the one thing, though, is uh, you got to look at the way they set up the playoffs. You know, uh, the Bombers are going to be the top seed. Right. Because they won the first The first half, half record is yeah, the thing. So, and I guess the uh, Generals will be the second They'll seed. be the number two seed. Yeah, so they'll play probably the three seed, whoever comes out of yeah. there in the playoffs. But, uh, yeah, it's funny because uh, – I ran into Mike Yoakum, the GM and mm-hmm. vice president, of course, uh, a week or two back. And uh, he was saying, you know, he said at first it looked a little uh, little rough there. We were kind of worried. Mm-hmm. But everybody's kind of blended together. And, you know, a lot of times in the summer league, that's what it takes. You just got to find the right combination of guys, you know, that fill that role. And, uh, you know, that's what it takes mm-hmm. to take off. Yeah, and I can't speak to, like, I guess how the roster works for the rest of the league. I mean, I know every team's rotating players throughout the year. But what the Generals got going right now is they they have a few guys, Levi Castilla, Drake Kerr, who have been there the whole way and look like they're going to be with the team the whole way, barring something unforeseen happening. And so they have these, like, kind of clubhouse pillars that are able to set the culture. And whenever new, you know, new guys come into the team and they're still going to bring in new guys and some of the old guys are going to filter out as they've kind of hit their quota for the year. Um, But they have these culture setters in the clubhouse. So whenever new guys come in, it's just they're able to keep the ball rolling right away. And for me so far, that's been the separator for the generals is they – it's everything's been seamless it hasn't been oh new group coming in oh we're starting from zero they haven't been starting from zero it's just it's they've just been able to keep the ball rolling yeah i guess so and uh you know it's it they don't really have a lot of uh i guess what you would call big name big school type players you know like we're not looking at a lot of d1 guys you know yeah in the past we've had some teams where you know, a lot of generals have come from uh, Sam Houston State. Mm-hmm. We've had a lot of guys come from there. 
every now and then you get a UT guy or something. Mm -hmm. But this year, that's not the case, really. It's a lot of smaller type schools, but these these guys have shown that you don't have to go to a D1 school to be a good baseball player. Yeah, it's been, Jeremiah, you were about to say something. I, I think it's just a credit to Oros and, uh, you know, the way he's able to eye talent and, you know, get him from all over the, the country, really, uh, and just bring him back to Victoria to be able to have a successful team. Right now they're, what, making the playoffs for the 14th out of the 15th season, the past 15th season. So I think it just shows, uh, you know, the coaching staff and, you know, the management over there at the Generals. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, with the success that they're having. Yeah, I like I like what you said about the talent ID there, and it it's not just talent ID; it's also like culture fit and personality fit. And you mentioned like they're not getting a ton of like the high major D one guys. Like he's you know Brazos Brazos going to get some A and M guys yeah. is in there just with their location, but we're not seeing a lot of the high major guys. We're seeing you know McNeese State, Texas A and M, Corpus Christi, you know a lot of junior college guys. But it's kind you know. It, what it leads to is everyone being bought in. And I think the thing with the junior college guys is they're all thinking, hey, look, I'm trying to get to a Division One." So Oros is bringing in these guys who all have something to prove. Or like last, you know, last week I did a story, or early this week I did a story on Drake Kerr, who's a Eastern Oklahoma State guy going to Texas A&M Corpus Christi in the fall. Well, he's about to play D1 baseball, so he's going up against a lot of D1 guys right now. So he's trying to acclimate himself to that level, and he's coming to Victoria about 90 minutes from Corpus Christi to acclimate the Texas heat and humidity and all that. and So he can have go and have a successful season for you know the Islanders in 2024. So their team is made up of a bunch of guys who have something to prove or a guy like Tyce Armstrong who was injured the first half of the season. He was telling me like I just have so much more baseball left in me right now where other guys might be burnt out. So the the makeup of the Generals has been uh I think it's a tr- it's a credit to their success and it's uh, it's really been intriguing. It's been fun to watch them. Yeah, and I'll tell you an interesting story about that uh Blake Cook, who used to be the general manager when the team kind of first got underway, he always told me that his biggest fear was that call in the middle of the night saying, one of your players did this. And he said it never happened. And as far as we know, I mean, I'm not saying these guys are all, you know, (laughs) angels, but they've done a good job of, you know, of being, you know, members of the community because they're here all summer. And, you know, that shows that that it shows a commitment, I think, that they're here for a purpose, which is to play baseball, to get better, so when they go back to their schools, they can take what they've they've done here and translate it into a successful season. And I I think it also has to do with uh, the way that they house the players, which they they have, like, host families where – a bunch of the players stay in, you know, one one house. It's like last year I did a story where it was like three or four players, um, you know, they were just constantly going through one house. Uh, but it's like that for the whole team, so they're able to spend time with each other, you know, outside of the team and, you know, in their personal lives. So I think that helps them uh, with the culture of being successful and just, uh, you know, being team players. Yeah, and then also you mentioned, like, they're being a part of the community. Well, I've been floored at how – 
how much the community supports the generals. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking like summer collegiate baseball. Okay, we'll be lucky to get like 50 people in the crowd. <laughs> uh, but every game I've been to, it's been you know three, four, five hundred people into the crowd. Like the community's really behind the general. You know, and they got different games, and it, you know, it's a full kind of minor league baseball experience mm-hmm. they got going on over there. But the way, you know, you mentioned being a part of the community, I think it's easier for the Generals players to buy into, okay, be a part of the community when they look up in the crowd and they see, you know, Riverside is like 75% full, you know, and that everywhere else in the TCL, just from asking around, it's not like that anywhere else. So it's easier to buy into that kind of idea of, hey, be a part of the community when you look up and you see the community supporting you at these games. So that's been something for me that's been a very – a really pleasant surprise from covering the generals this year. Uh, now we'll wrap up our generals coverage. We'll have one more message from thriving financial here. And then all of us are going to reminisce a little bit. Uh, we'll let you know more about that in the next segment. Thriving is a proud sponsor of the grid. Thrivent believes money is a tool, not a goal. Thrivent financial advisor, Carly Herrick works with clients to create financial strategies that reflect their priorities and help them protect the things that matter most, like family and giving back. Carly can be reached at 361-223-7883 or connect.thrivent.com backslash true-path-planning. And we're back here for episode 44 of The Grid, and we're going to take a trip down memory lane here. Uh, we're kind of we're gonna reminisce on what some of our favorite moments were from this season. And as soon as I pose this question to Mike, Mike's like, "Oh, I got a couple. I got a couple." So, with that being said, we're gonna let the the great Mike Foreman go first here. Uh, Mike, you know you you're lucky. You got to be at a lot of these championship events. You got to go to a lot of great games. What are some things that stick out in your mind? Well, I guess looking back in the football, saw a lot of great games. But obviously, uh, one stands out to me was the. Uh, the uh, regional final between Shiner and Mercurio. Uh, Shiner came in uh, an incredible game plan. Just uh, their basic game plan that was, we're going to run Dalton Brooks and see if you can stop it. <laughs> That's a good game plan yeah. when you have Dalton Brooks. Yeah, and uh, basically, Shul- and uh, Refurio was having trouble with that. And But Brooks got hurt in the first half, and he was only able to – to carry the ball like 10 times in the second half. I, I think if he'd have been healthy, he might have had 40, 45 carries in that mm-hmm. game, and Shiner might have won that game. But what ended up happening is uh, he got hurt. Uh, Refiro kind of hung around. They get down. They get the ball with about three and a half, four minutes left. They have fourth down and in their own territory. And they get a procedure penalty, so it goes from fourth and three to fourth and eight or fourth and 13, I can't even remember. And uh, they they go for it because, uh, as Coach Herring said after the game, I, I, there was no way I was giving them the ball back. They were to run out the, the clock. And sure enough, uh, their quarterback, Keelan Brown, goes back and lofts. I look up and, uh, you know, there's a receiver uh, – you know, Isaiah Avery is – I'm looking to myself and I'm thinking, oh, my God, he's open. And he catches the ball. He puts a move on the defender and scores a touchdown. And Refurio goes on and wins that game. And then, of course, it beats Timpson on the last – on a, you know, field goal with under 10 seconds left. 
And then, uh, of course, it lost in the state final. That was one of the moments. The other two. You uh, just got me really excited for football season yeah. as you're telling that story yeah. right there. The other two, I'd say the state track meet. Uh, there were some really incredible moments in that. Obviously, Refurio winning us back-to-back state titles. Uh, that was not a sure thing. Uh, but I, I knew there were chances to improve when I walked down to the long jump pit. And I'm looking for Bussy from Timpson. And he's not there. And I said, wait a minute, where's Bussy? And uh, someone says, oh, he's having surgery. And I said, oh, that's going to hurt Timson. And it did. But that's not to take away from what Refurio did. And you look at uh, Ernest Campbell, I mean, my gosh, three straight 100-meter championships. He anchors the relay that wins, and then he wins the 200. And, uh, you know, he had the fastest 100 time of uh, – any classification, so it wasn't just 2A. And then the other thing from that meet that stands out is uh, from El Campo, um, 50-foot triple jump. That was amazing. And the thing that happened on that, too, is it happened on his last attempt. You know, yeah. it was just like the, the, the year before he had been passed on, his, on the last attempt and ended up with a silver medal. So Oliver Miles is sitting there thinking, oh, my gosh, it's going to happen again because the guy passed him again on his last attempt. And, all, man, he just pops that 50-foot jump, and I'm telling you, that was incredible. So that was another one. And then, of course, the other one I'd have to say is the state softball tournament, the, uh, the walk-off victory. That's, that was incredible. And the thing I remember about that is uh, – when uh, Paige Pablo comes up, they had walked, uh, I believe it was Smith, to get to her. And uh, when she she hit the ball, Weimer had a huge crowd. You could hear kind of a, a cheer. And then there was kind of a silence to see if the ball was going to be <laughs> caught. And then once it got over the head of the outfielder, the crowd just erupted, you know. So I, that's that was kind of neat because I remember the – the cheer, the quiet, and then the eruption. And, uh, of course, I loved what uh, Paige said to me after the game when I asked her, uh, what were you thinking when they walked Taylor? And she said, I was thinking they made a mistake. <laughs> and I, I said, yeah, you're right. They did make a mistake. Well, that's the mindset you got to have in yeah. that moment. You can't yeah. go up there thinking, oh, I yeah. hope I don't. You know, yeah. you got to like, yeah, they made a mistake. I'm yeah. I'm crushing this yeah. ball. Uh I, Jeremiah, kind of saying, you know, same question to you: Is there, you know, is there a moment or a couple of moments that kind of stand out from this past, you know, this past athletic year? Yeah, well, just uh, looking back to the football season, the the moment that stands out to me is that Quero versus Silsby game uh, in the regional final at NRG Stadium. That mm-hmm. that was that was definitely the craziest game I covered this year. Uh, it went three overtimes, and Quero ended up winning it uh, after uh, Mason Nataro he rolled right on the. I think it was a two-point conversion, and he found Nathan Lucian, I believe, in the back of the end zone to to win the game. And that one was uh, that was definitely a crazy game. Uh, you know, in the first half of that game, Draylon Miller from Silsby he he took over the game. Who uh, he actually committed to Texas A&M, I think, a few weeks ago as a wide receiver. But uh, it was just hard for Quero to stop him and, and the rest of the Silsby offense. And it didn't look good for them. But in the second half, they came out, uh, took a, a, a kick return back to their side of the field, then scored a touchdown, and from there on it was just back and forth scoring. I believe the score was like 56 to 58 or something like that. So it was just a, a crazy game and to, to you know be there on the field 
for that last play and once uh, Lucian caught that that two point conversion, um, you know the the whole Quero bench just came in like tackled him on 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 the uh, you know in the end zone and that was definitely the craziest uh, moment from football that I saw and then. Uh, softball, it would be obviously be uh, Hannah Fishbeck, uh, like Mike was talking about earlier, to to send the team to send Weimer to the state tournament. Oh, I forget you were the one that was covering that yeah, game that yeah, weekend. Yeah, that was in a, a Texas State, and they were down. I think uh, well, they had lost that first game of the series to Shiner. And then well, they, and they were down like four runs in game two. Well, no, they, they got down seven. seven. Yeah, oh my down, gosh, yeah, they got down yeah. seven, and then they ended up winning that the second game, and then the third game was when. Uh, Fishbeck hit hit that that walk off homer. I th- if I'm not mistaken, it was in extra innings. Yeah, yeah, um, I'm pretty sure it was in the A's. Yeah, it was yeah in extra innings. So, um, you know, for her to do that for her team and send them to the state tournament where they eventually ended up winning, that was definitely a, a, another one that stood out for me. Well, and then also wasn't um, if I'm not mistaken, they were trailing when Fishbeck came up to the plate. Yeah, I th- yeah, I yeah. Think so yeah, right. I think uh, Brinley Ramirez Ramirez from uh, Shiner. She had. She had either got an RBI or she scored for for Shiner to take take the lead. So uh, even more pressure for Fisbeck and for her to come through was really amazing to see. Yeah, because I was at I was in San Antonio that day for a Kennedy baseball against Johnson City, and I, you know I'm following y'all's updates throughout the game, and I so I see Shiner goes up seven nothing, and you know the first game of the doubleheader. And I'm thinking, oh man, Shiner, you know they yeah. they killed the dragon. They not you know they knocked them off, and this this is like. I mean, this was not early in the game. It was like in the fourth inning or something. So, yeah. you know, seven runs. And, I mean, we talked about Springfield, the first segment here, and how awesome she's been for Shiner. You're thinking, okay, like, man, they, you know, they did it. And, for, I mean, you talk about heart of a champion. That's, you know, that's what it is from Weimer right there. Um, I was not here during football season. Uh, I lived in another state. Uh, I didn't get here until the beginning of April. My favorite moment, though, was probably the first game I covered a uh, little bit of background. I was supposed to cover it with Mike, and Mike was supposed to show me the ropes. But then other things happen. Yeah. It's like, hey, Gabe, you're on your own. Mm-hmm. I'm like, awesome. So it was uh, Victoria East, Victoria West softball. And um, Victoria West had run rolled Victoria East earlier in the year. And then they get out to a 10-2 lead in the first couple of innings. So And right away you're thinking, okay, well, here you know, here we go, another run rule. And I, I don't know the teams very well. Or I don't know. Any, I'm still trying to figure out. You know, I'm not the GPS everywhere. I don't know where anything is. Um, and Victoria East, come, they don't allow a single run the rest of the game. They allow 10 the first two innings, don't allow anything the rest of the game. Victoria East comes back, forces extra innings. They, get, they score four and a six to tie it. And then uh, they come back, they win it in the eighth. Um, and that, that's one that'll, that'll stand out to, you know, my first game covering, but also just city rivalry. And it's looking like, okay, here, you know, blowout, here we go. And Victoria East just completely turns the tide around. And it, it was the first time the East softball had beaten West. I think it was five years and for it to happen, you saw kind of the emotion of the East players, the emotions of coach Buck in that moment and the fight of their team. Cause it, it would have been so easy for them to give up right there. Just, you know, down 10, two after two innings, a team that already had run ruled you and it's their senior night and everyone's kind of in a frenzy. And so that, that's one that'll stand out to me just, uh, but I don't have a football one like the way the rest of y'all did. <laughs> Yeah, you'll have one soon. Yeah, yeah, give it another couple of months. We'll, have, we'll make a couple football memories here. But uh, that'll wrap us up for episode 44 of The Grid. I appreciate you guys tuning in. Be sure to read the paper this week and be back here next week as we uh, we talk some more all-area baseball next week. And, you know, we'll figure out something to talk about. So thank you for joining us.